It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Flock Up Podcast. Flock Up. Here's Mario Jerez. What's up, people? Welcome in to another episode of Flock Up. I'm Mario Jerez, and the vibes are a little bit better tonight. It was a good win for the Pelicans in Portland on Wednesday night. They beat the Trailblazers 121 to 110. They improved to 31 and 32, and they snap a four-game losing streak. So that was a much-needed win for the Pelicans. We will recap that game here on today's episode of Flock Up. Also want to give some thoughts on the lineups we saw last night, specifically the closing lineups for Willie Green. We'll get into that on today's show as well, and also we'll preview the game against the Warriors on Friday night. The Warriors pretty banged up right now. Not, uh, not much unlike the Pelicans, but still a huge game for both teams. So we'll get some thoughts on that game towards the end of the show. But for now, to start things off, let's talk about what we saw on Wednesday night in Portland. It was a win for the Pelicans. Like we said, 121 to 110 was the final. I did stay up to watch the whole game. Not going to lie, I was definitely dozing off a little bit towards the end of the third quarter. But once the Pelicans made that run in the fourth quarter, definitely woke me up a little bit. So that was a fun one. Like we said, that was a much needed win if you're the Pelicans. And frankly, the Blazers are a much better team than what the Pelicans faced in New Orleans on a Monday night. No disrespect to the Magic, but that was, a, that was a tough loss. That was really a punch in the stomach to the Pelicans and to their fans. So you were coming into this game on a four-game losing streak in a situation where if you lose, you still have two more games left in this road trip against two teams that are better than Portland and Orlando. (laughs) So you lose this game. This might have been a pretty dark podcast, not going to lie. Like the vibes would be really low. Although there would still be a lot of season left, and I'd probably try to calm things down a little bit. Had the Pelicans lost that game, that would have been really bad. But the good news is they didn't. They won. They won by double digits, and the Pelicans scored 121 points in Portland. That was the first time in the last seven games they put up more than 107. Shout out to Christian Clark for the stats. Uh, The Pelicans scored 68 points in the second half, where they kind of took this game over, really more in the fourth quarter, but the numbers look really good in the second half of the game. The Pelicans had 68 points as a team, and they shot 59% from the field. So that was a lot better offense to close the game than what we saw against the Magic in New Orleans on Monday night. And this was the first time the Pelicans won any game since February 13th. That feels like a long time ago here on March 2nd. So the Pelicans kind of had to have it. 
and they wouldn't have got it without Brandon Ingram's performance in Portland. He went for a 40-burger, 40 points, a season high for B.I., very efficient too. He did it on 18 of 29 shooting from the field. He also had six rebounds, five assists, and zero turnovers. Great basketball by Brandon Ingram. Not just his scoring, not just his shot making, but the playmaking from Brandon Ingram was really impressive in this game. He had some really good passes, specifically the skip pass that he had to Trey Murphy in the corner at the end of the game when the Pelicans took a 14-point lead. That really felt like the dagger. And frankly, that was one of the best passes I've ever seen Brandon Ingram ever make. Maybe the best. I'd have to watch like a compilation of the best passes Brandon Ingram's ever made as a Pelican. But that one is definitely up there. And when it comes to Brandon Ingram and players like him, you know, star players, they're going to shoulder more of the blame when things go bad. And things have gone pretty bad for this team in the last 20, 25 games. But Brandon Ingram is a star nonetheless. And just like he gets some of the blame when things go bad, he deserves a lot of the praise when things go well. And there have been a lot of cases like this. There have been a lot of games like this where B.I. has just kind of been unstoppable down the stretch. And he did it more as a passer in this game, although, yes, 40 points. He scored really efficiently, don't get me wrong. But the playmaking in this game was really impressive. And his ability to close games is something that we've seen all season. A lot of the times it doesn't work. The Pelicans come up short, but in a lot of these wins, there's a lot of big plays from Brandon Ingram down the stretch and in crunch time. So this was another case of that, but I would argue this is definitely Brandon Ingram's best game of the season. Not just because of the stats, not just because of how he did it and his playmaking and other areas besides scoring, but also the stage. Willie Green talked about it after the game. This was a game that was nationally televised. This was a game that the Pelicans kind of had to have. I hesitate to say must win during an 82-game season because a lot of the times that can be proven untrue. But this was a big spot for the Pelicans. And Brandon Ingram came up huge. So if you're breaking down this game, you had to start with talking about Brandon Ingram's performance. He was spectacular against the Trailblazers on Wednesday night. Second thing I want to get to in our recap here is the performance from C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum had a good game for the first time in what felt like a while. C.J. finished with 24 points. He was 9 of 19 from the field, pretty efficient, right around 50%. He was 2 of 5 from the three-point line, 7 assists, just 2 turnovers, and he played pretty good defense too. It was interesting to start the game. Antonio Daniels pointed this out on the Bally Sports broadcast. To start the game, C.J. McCollum actually took the defensive assignment of guarding Damian Lillard, and he took it. It wasn't assigned to him. He specifically requested, according to AD on the broadcast, to guard, uh, guard Damian Lillard to start the game just because he knows his tendencies really well and he feels like he can guard him pretty efficiently just based off of that. Remember, those guys were teammates for many, many years. What, like eight, nine years in Portland? And they mashed up with each other in practice pretty much every single day. So that was kind of cool to see. And it was really cool to see CJ get uh, out of the little slump he's been in offensively. And I kind of saw it coming, not going to lie. Uh, CJ really likes playing against his old team. If you look at his record uh, against the Trailblazers since he got traded to the Pelicans, CJ McCollum 3-1 and one against his old team. And they made a big deal out of it, as they should have. You know, Wednesday was the first time Dame and CJ actually played against each other. 
because in the first three games, either Dame was injured or CJ was injured. So it was the first time we saw that matchup, and there must have been uh, there must have definitely been some emotion for both of those guys there. But it also must have been really gratifying for CJ to get the win and in Portland. So uh, it was a big performance from CJ McCollum, just like they had to have the forty from Brandon Ingram. They had to have CJ McCollum too. Uh, he was big time for the Pelicans. And huh, looking back, I, I, I just remembered this had happened today. Uh, do y'all remember when CJ McCollum wanted to fight Etwan Moore in the playoffs? Uh, when these two teams matched up against each other five years ago, uh, and I and I watched the video a couple times. Honestly, Etwan Moore was probably overreacting a little bit in the situation. Uh, you know, it was a playoff game. CJ fouled him going up for a layup, and he fouled him kind of hard. But I don't think it was worth like starting a fight or anything. But it was kind of funny remembering that that happened and then going to see that. Like, life is crazy. <laughs> Just because something is one way today doesn't mean it's going to be that way tomorrow. Your enemies may become your friends in some scenarios. You know, your friends might have to be left in the past. <laughs> this is in a basketball sense. We're getting kind of deep right now. But my point is, uh, it, it, it was funny to remember uh, that, that Etwan Moore and CJ McCollum almost got in a fight in New Orleans. Wonder what Etwan Moore is up to these days. Uh, anyway and anywho... Let's talk about the lineups we saw last night, and specifically the closing lineups. I really, really, really like the five-man group we saw at the end of C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, and Brandon Ingram. You had B.I., you had C.J. able to create, and you had your best shooter on the court. Finally, 32 minutes for Trey Murphy last night. Love to see it. And he was 3 of 10 from the three-point line. I talked about this on OTB in the morning today. 3 out of 10, that's not a good clip. But the important thing is he shot 10 threes. He's spacing the floor. He's sucking the defense out towards the perimeter and giving Brandon, giving CJ more room to operate. And look what happens. What, 64 combined points for B.I. and C.J.? 32 minutes for Trey Murphy, I don't think that's a coincidence. And Josh Richardson, I don't think was bad, like we've been saying the last couple episodes. He's not a bad player. I feel a little bit bad complaining about the excess of minutes for Josh Richardson in the last few games. But he only played 20 minutes in this game. Najee got 27. Trey Murphy got the 32. And it was way more efficient. Way more efficient. Loved to see that. Still want Josh Richardson to be a part of the rotation. Don't get it twisted. And if he's even in the starting lineup, I don't have that much of a problem, although I still would have Trey Murphy in there. But if Trey Murphy's in at crunch time, if Trey Murphy's getting most of the minutes, then that's the important thing. But we spent a lot of the last episode complaining about specifically that, Trey not being on the floor, and they're not being spacing at the end of the game. Remember, the starting lineup in the loss of the Magic had Josh Richardson, Jackson Hayes, and Herb Jones all in it. You replace... Uh, you replace Jackson and Richardson with Trey Murphy and Najee Marshall, you now have defense, you have length with both of those guys, and you have a lot more shooting just by having Trey Murphy out there. Najee, decent shooter, not the best shooter, but good enough offensively to keep the flow of the team. And Trey Murphy just being out there makes a big, big difference. And I think you saw that hold true last night. So I was a lot happier with the rotations. Uh, Herb Jones. Herb Jones was huge last night. And really, the last like five or so games, despite the losses, he's been really good for the Pelicans on both ends. He's been good on defense all season. But he's finally, and pretty consistently, finding ways to impact the game without being a good shooter. Not just parking himself in the corner 
and having teams not respect his jump shot. He is looking a lot more like the player that we saw towards the end of last season and in the playoffs. And honestly, it's a big credit to the coaching staff. Uh, we saw Herb a lot as a screener. He was also kind of roaming the baseline a lot whenever he didn't have the ball, uh, getting in the dunker spot, putting himself in good positions. And even when he's not scoring and even if he doesn't get an assist, you know, he's still a pretty smart basketball player. He knows what to do with the ball. Uh, not a lot of bad decisions. And he has struggled with his confidence uh, at times this season. There have been times where offensively he's looked broken. But even though he's not scoring very much, he only had seven points in the game. He looks way more confident on that side of the floor and whenever the ball's in his hands. So shout out to Herb Jones. Uh, the Pelicans, uh, like I said, with that closing lineup were really efficient. And Herb was playing center technically. He was at the five uh, for a lot of this game. And he played in the final 9-0-4 of the contest. And in that time, the Pelicans outscored the Trailblazers 31-19. to So maybe the Pelicans found something here. Maybe uh, center Herb is the next point Zion, right? <laughs> so uh, hopefully the Pelicans found something with that lineup. Maybe that's something they can build off of. But for now, I, I do really like that closing group of CJ, Herb, Trey, Najee, B.I. See if the Pelicans move forward with that uh, in future games. Uh, how about Jackson Hayes last night? We talked about Jackson Hayes uh, on OTB on the radio the other day, and it feels like we kind of spoke him back into existence uh, he had been out of the rotation recently, and now with the injury to Larry Nance, you know it was going to open the door for him. And he only played 16 minutes, but Jackson Hayes scored 15 points as the backup center for the Pelicans. Uh, really bouncy, looking like the good Jackson Hayes. You know, we've seen a lot of this uh, over the last two seasons in spades and inconsistently, but we have seen it. And he played really well defensively, too. Two blocks, two steals. And I got to commend Jackson Hayes for being really good at the free throw line. He got there eight times, which is a good number. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of free throws for Jackson. But he made seven of them. So one of the better performances for Jackson Hayes this season. It was the second highest point total he, he has had this year. He had the 23-point game against Oklahoma City back in December. But... This was a really good performance from Jackson Hayes. And I think that going forward, once Valanchunas gets back, they had to try to find the right mix of Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanchunas, like they did in the playoffs last season and towards the end of the season. Uh, I see a lot of hate for Jonas Valanchunas on Pelican's Twitter right now, and I really don't understand it. Like, the criticisms are valid. You know, he's not the most mobile player, especially defensively. He's not the best pick-and-roll defender. I, I get it. Like, And that's why you kind of plug and play with him. And in certain matchups, you'd rather have Larry out there. You'd rather have Jackson out there. I understand. But I've seen more than one person say that it's good that he's out tomorrow. It's going to help the Pelicans win. And that's just that, – that's wrong, man. That That's not cool. I don't appreciate that. Just as a Pelicans fan – you know, I'm not with that. And I get it. Some of us are media. Some of us are fans. You might be like, oh, you're being a baby. You're being a fanboy. And maybe I am to an extent. I'm somewhat attached to Jonas Valanciunas uh, as a Pelicans fan, I guess. But I think uh, I think the criticisms are a little extreme. Like, he's definitely, you know, he definitely has his flaws as a player, but he also has his strengths. We've seen him, we've seen him come up huge for this team. And we've seen a lot of instances where Pelicans fans want more of Jonas Valanciunas. There have been instances where the Pelicans should probably play through him a little bit more than they do, or they have. 
But like I said, a, a lot of the criticisms I understand on the surface, but I feel like the hate for JV just a little out of control right now, at least on Twitter. But then again, that's also just what Twitter is. So maybe I'm overreacting myself just a little bit. Uh, anyway, and anywho, uh, how about Dyson Daniels and Kyra Lewis both finally getting minutes last night? Uh, both of those guys got double-digit minutes for the Pelicans last night. It was the first time Dyson got double-digit minutes since he came back from his injury. And both of those guys didn't really fill up the stat sheet. Uh, two points for Kyra Lewis, three points for Dyson Daniels. But the important thing is they played. I like seeing those guys in the rotation. And they both did some pretty good stuff in, in limited time. Uh, Dyson Daniels on defense had a really nice trap against Damian Lillard, forced a turnover. And now you could add Damian Lillard to the list of people that Dyson Daniels has uh, gotten steals on in his rookie year. He's gotten LeBron, he's gotten Chris Paul, Luka, others. Now add uh, Dollar Dame to that list. So good to see the young guys out there finally. I feel like both of them are capable of contributing a little bit more. Towards the end of the season, uh, we might see a little bit more Dyson Daniels. And Kyra Lewis just remains really interesting. Like, he hasn't really gotten an opportunity to have that breakout game, but it might still be coming. It might be a little too late, especially now with the addition of Josh Richardson. But now with Alvarado being out, Kyra is going to continue to get minutes. And if he continues to play well, he might get more minutes. And then we might finally see that performance. You know, I don't have the stats in front of me, not going to lie. But I know that uh, that Kyra's kind of extrapolated numbers are really good. Like his per 48-minute numbers are solid. So if he gets a, a little bit more time to play, maybe we do see that breakout performance. But for now, I'd like to see the minutes for both Dyson Daniels and for Kyra Lewis. Um, before we preview the Warriors game, give a few thoughts on that matchup, I want to highlight that the Pelicans had zero turnovers in the second half of the win against Portland. Only six turnovers for the entire game, which is really good in and of itself. But zero turnovers in the second half is something this franchise hasn't done since 2008. You heard me right, 15 years ago, when it was the best season in the history of the franchise. So that's that's pretty significant, man. And no coincidence, the Pelicans scored over 120 points for the first time in a long time. So if you take care of the basketball, good things will happen. Not just for your offense, but even if you miss shots, you're still going to get more of an opportunity to set your defense. Like these live ball turnovers had been killing the Pelicans, killing them. So to eliminate that completely, to have zero turnovers in the second half, that's really impressive. That speaks to really good team basketball. So hopefully that's something else that the Pelicans can uh, build off of as they head to Golden State. Um, also, just a quick observation, the crowd in Portland just, and, and, and I'm not trying to cast stones, you know, Smoothie King Center just objectively might be the quietest arena in the NBA. I'm sorry. I, I, I love our fans. I am one of the fans. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. But if you've been to other NBA arenas and you're realistic, you kind of know what it is, right? Okay, so disclaimer. That being said, the crowd in Portland looked kind of dead. Just, I mean, by their standards at least. Like when I think of Portland, I think of one of the loudest crowds in the NBA, like on par with Golden State, at least in my opinion. Uh, when you listen to radio broadcasts, those are one of the arenas where you really hear that crowd mic pop. Like whenever good things happen for the home team, you can really hear the crowd, at least relative to other arenas. Like that's how I look at Portland. That's how it's been 
uh, the last few years, or at least in the Damian Lillard era. But at tip-off, the crowd looked kind of scarce. Like, I saw a lot of empty seats. And throughout the game, they just didn't really seem that into it. And I get that the Blazers, I guess, didn't really give them too much to cheer about. But the atmosphere just doesn't look very good. Like, is there not very much hope in Portland? This is a team that, I get it, is not great, but still fighting for a playoff spot. I was a little surprised to see the the crowd as scarce as it was, and I guess as quiet as it was. That was just a small observation. Hopefully, not too many Blazers fans are listening to this and get mad at me. But that is uh, that is something that I noticed. So, great win for the Pelicans in Portland. They had to have it. We talked about it. Great performance from B.I., great performance from C.J. Uh, the closing lineup was awesome. Herb Jones at center was something that I really enjoyed. We'll see if the Pelicans continue to do that. Um, big game coming up now for the Pelicans in Golden State. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that the Warriors are the defending NBA champions. Their fifth ring, fourth ring, their fourth ring under Steve Kerr. But that being said, this is definitely not the uh, the championship version of the Warriors that we're seeing. They're banged up, much like the Pelicans are right now. And the Warriors in this game will be without Steph Curry. It looks like he can come back in their game against the Lakers on Sunday. That's good news for the Pelicans. Uh, maybe that's a sign that the season's finally turning around. Like, there's a running joke on Pelicans Twitter that uh, teams have their star players get healthy right before they play the Pelicans. Like, if a guy's out for an extended amount of time and the Pelicans are on the schedule, they magically get healthy, (laughs) at least most of the time. But this is a rare instance where a team is saying that a guy is ready, he's very close, but he's not going to play against the Pelicans. And uh, I guess this is is kind of a, a rock and a hard place for me as a Pelicans fan and as a basketball fan. Because the Pelicans fan in me is a little glad that Steph is not going to play because it helps the Pelicans win. And the Pelicans are one and a half games behind the Warriors in the standings right now. And it's obviously more conducive to them winning a game that they kind of need to get. But the basketball fan in me is kind of sad that this is the third matchup between these two teams this season. And Steph hasn't played in any of them. Like... Curry is a top five player right now. He's arguably top five player in the history of the league. Like the best shooter of all time, bar none. One of the best scorers of all time. He's defied expectations with his size. I think it's a cool story. I kind of love me some Steph Curry. Not going to lie. So uh, I guess it does help the Pelicans win that he's not going to play. But a little bit disappointing. Part of me wants to see the Pelicans face off against Steph Curry. You know, you want to see the star players play, right? So... Pelicans fan in me happy, basketball fan in me a little upset that uh, we're not going to see Steph Curry in this one. And the Warriors also without Andrew Wiggins, who's missed the last six games due to a family issue or a family matter. Uh, that sounds pretty serious. Uh, if it's anything you know bad or anything tragic, definitely thoughts and prayers sent out to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, but he's not going to play for the Warriors in this one. Still dealing with that uh, that family matter. So he'll miss his seventh straight game. And Andre Iguodala also missing in action for the Warriors. Andre Iguodala still playing. He's a little older right now. He might be in that Garrett Temple mold of not being very effective as a player, but still bringing a lot of value to the bench just by being there. But no Iguodala, no Andrew Wiggins, no Steph Curry for the Warriors. So you're likely looking at a starting five of Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Dante DiVincenzo, a man who once tweeted he loves to suck titties, but uh, he was hacked, uh, Draymond Green, and Kevin Looney uh, rounding out the starting five for the Golden State Warriors. 
So you're not seeing the Splash Brothers. You're not even seeing Andrew Wiggins. Hopefully the Pelicans can capitalize off of that. But it's still a road game. It's still a team that can really kill you if you uh, if you turn the ball over, especially with live ball turnovers. But this is a game that the Pelicans can get, especially now coming off that win in Portland and playing with a little bit more confidence. Uh, and it's interesting, the matchup between these two teams, because it's kind of contrasting styles. The Warriors take more three-point shots than anybody else in the NBA, even with Steph Curry missing 20 or so games this season. But conversely, the Pelicans obviously uh, not really in that mold. The Pelicans second to last when it comes to volume in three-point shots. So only one team takes less threes than the Pelicans, and nobody takes more threes than the Golden State Warriors. So I think it might be a good idea for the Pelicans to try to slow the pace down a little bit in this game. And if you could avoid those live ball turnovers like you did in this game against Portland, I kind of like the Pelicans' chances against a banged-up Golden State team that they've already beaten twice this season. So definitely a big game for both teams. We will recap that game in the next episode here on Flock Up. Uh, that'll pretty much do it for us here today. So if you have any thoughts on anything I said, you can always tweet me at Mario underscore E underscore Jerez. Always down to talk Pelicans basketball. So we'll do some more of that next week when we recap these games against the Warriors and the Kings. I hope everybody has a great weekend. For the Guarantee Podcast Network and 104.5 ESPN Radio Baton Rouge, I'm Mario Jerez, and I will talk to you soon. Flock up. <laughs>